Hi, kids. Hi, kids. Welcome to Isig and Chill. Welcome to Isig and Chill. Episode 21, Industry Now. Exclamation point. On this week's episode, I make an apology. We discuss LVMH's Texas Trump opening and reactions. Albert Alba is back in fashion. One out and one in, Barney's Dunzo, while Nordstrom opens in New York City. And a take on our version of Model.com's Industry Now query. Make sure to follow us on Instagram as well. And even though this episode's a little long, we'd love for you to come back to it after you stop. We listen to the whole thing. Yeah, stick around. Stick around, kids. Enjoy. <laughs> What's going on over there, Ingrid? Hey. <laughs> What's up, Razor? Nothing, just saying hi from across the dinner table. Across your glass table? <laughs> exactly. Hi. What's going on? Nothing. Um, Have you been this week? I've been really good. I'm glad to see you. You look beautiful as always. <sighs> Thank you on this rainy that turned into such a pretty day. I know. I looked out the window. I had trouble sleeping. Why? What's going on? I've been having trouble sleeping. Was it bit. because of the uh, Nazi documentaries you've been watching? The Holocaust documentaries? <laughs> I, Holocaust, I should say, not Nazi. I don't want to, you know, start a rumor that you're a white supremacist. Yeah, but they don't, you know, you can watch a documentary about the Nazis and not be. I hope people do because you can't. Um, <laughs> right, like, no, I and, know. Yeah. We just live in but, a very polarized, <laughs> partisan yeah. society. No, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's what it had to do with But I then I woke up late, obviously, because I didn't go to sleep until like 4.30. And I looked out the kind of like the side window in my room and it looked like the way it looks at 6 o'clock in the morning mm. because it was so dark. This morning. And a storm and it right. was windy and I was like, I know. It was awful this morning. But yeah, but now it's like sun is shining. Gorgeous. I love that scarf. Ingrid's wearing Ingrid's wearing a peach and rose colored scarf with like an equestrian theme. It has like a it's more it's it's spatial. Oh it's it's beautiful. She's wearing it in her hair as a turban. Um, Yeah, I didn't really want to deal with dealing with anything today so i just sprayed some dry shampoo <laughs> in my hair and i did take a shower though that's I good am, it's i very, am clean it's very rich white lady thank the, you the, it's that's my theme the and now i'm wearing and i'm wearing a new york rangers t-shirt very nice <laughs> and a sex in the city mm. nike Six and City 2. Oh, no, it's the it's it's the, the, movie. the movie. Yeah, it's from the movie. I'm wearing that Cold Springs t-shirt oh, that, yeah, that we, we bought with, with Lexi. Lexi's birthday. Yeah. Um, year before. And that last one. I know. I wanted to start off, besides, I have a couple of things to talk about with the things that I've watched and stuff that I think are interesting. However, I did want to start off by an with an apology for something I said for last what? time. What did you say? Who are you apologizing to and for what? Well, I am saying it not as so much as a... I mean, yes, it's an apology, but nobody called me or talked to me and nobody reached out to us. I just you came was, to this conclusion on your own. I came to this conclusion <laughs> on my own because I was really thinking about it. And I think we, you know... So last time I had said that I think that 
white women who voted for Trump only did it because their husbands told them to. <laughs> or Giuliani, was it? It was Giuliani. Giuliani. It was for right. mayor. That's what right. I meant. I'm sorry, Giuliani for mayor. Excuse me. It's all the same thing. Um, <laughs> no, and I thought that was unfair at the... I think that if I don't like people's decisions, then I can have a talk with them about it, and I shouldn't just assume it's because of that. And I think mm-hmm. that that was a little pointed and not so great doesn't mean that i feel very differently about giuliani or that you're wrong frankly or <laughs> i mean hey we've had separate discussion but i guess that's part of the decision making of each individual uh-huh, that... and i can and we can agree to disagree and there are a lot of people who think in different ways about how he what kind of mayor he was and certainly i think everyone can agree that on on 9-11 he was a great leader I will say that um, it was a terrible, terrible tragedy, and everybody was stunned, including myself. And he made people feel better. And now he's going to jail, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, better, and it's just hard to talk about such a tragedy and how it affected people and how scared everybody was. I wasn't in the city; I was in college two hours away. I was in the city. You were in the city. Yeah. Have we talked about this? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I just moved here. It was like literally a week into living in New York City. Oh my god! Well, welcome. Welcome, and I I totally had no. like, I, did, I had no understanding of what was going on. It took me, like, years to even fully understand. Like, my parents were... I'm like, why are you freaking out? It's just, like, a building. But, you know, I... 17. What was I supposed yeah, to know? Yeah, but it was... Ter- I mean, first of all, it was thousands of... It was no, like of course. Thousand, and it was... It broke us in a lot of ways. And right. it did... But not, like, broke us in the sense that we were broken afterwards. It was more, like, the, it really... The, the structure... As a people, we became more vulnerable because right. we thought we all of a sudden these things could happen here. And then as a city, we felt kind of indestructible before. Right. Even if, like, you know, the first terror attack in the United States was, and I guess that some people debate this, but um, many people accept this as the first terror. It happened in the 1920s in front of, like, right off of Wall Street in mm-hmm. front of the um, J.P. Morgan building. Which is still the J.P. Morgan building. Right. Or still owned. And they, you can actually go to that building and... What and, happened? Do you know what happened? Yeah, it was anarchists, they believe, who put a bomb in a carriage. Like, put explosives in a carriage and then blew it up in oh, front wow. of the building. And so they left the scarring that it made onto some of the sand oh, stone. Right. They left it there, yeah. And it's still... Is there a plaque? A placard? I think there may be. I don't remember Just one. look. Yeah, but you can still see it. I've definitely right. taken a look and been there. You can still see the, the scar. But anyway, I mean, it happened in New York. But, you know, this was just such a colossal... I mean, the words like colossal and tragedy, I don't feel like encompass. What happened? You know, I really... It's it's so funny. I was so young and so kind of like... And also when you're really like 17 and I just gone Mm -hmm. to college here. And at that age, I felt kind of indestructible. And even going through all that, I sort of didn't understand. I didn't have the capacity to understand the... Uh, brevity of it either in a way like how fast it all happens like that it all changed uh, no like the depth and like yeah and, 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 and I didn't have any context for what it was like here really before since I had just been right. here and I really was just at the university but I, campus but I think it almost like breaks all of those I mean I, I'm sure that all those things you know we could go through each of them but I think the whole thing just kind of breaks every mode of you know you're too I don't people are like well you were really young when it happened I wasn't that young I was 20 mm-hmm. I was 20, 21, 20, 20, I was 21, and, uh, which tells you how old I am, so shh, don't talk about it, but, um, and so I wasn't super young, but I was young in my adulthood, right, 
and I had grown up here and was born here. And so the idea of New York being a place that was vulnerable to that kind of stuff was very scary. And, you know, having friends, I mean, everybody, I went, you know, I was up at Bard and, and I just, you know, I was lucky because I didn't have to worry about my parents in the sense that right. I couldn't reach them. My dad was the one who reached me and then said that we, and told me what was happening and that everybody was, that all our family was safe, but that we probably would not be able to speak for a couple of days. Right. And he was right about that. I couldn't reach them for a couple of days. And, yeah. uh, but I was so, I was lucky in that sense, but I called around my other friends at Bard who were from the city and they had different stories from different people. And I called my other friends who were living right. either in Boston or California or whatever. And everybody had some sort of story. Um, and I think, you know, it really affected the whole city. I mean, there's no way to, to really talk about it unless right. we, like, devoted three hours to right. and, and then that. It, and we then would have to then. invite people. Oh, and have, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, everyone's experience is but, different. But but I'm just back to Giuliani, you know, it was it was a very confusing time. And, and I don't want to. I mean, I think the real, real, real heroes are, of course, the police officers and the, and the fire. firemen and everybody who worked on the, on the heap, as they called it, and everybody who volunteered. I think those those guys and girls and women and everyone right and gender <laughs> gender but all every of all, all the people <laughs> of every, who worked on and helped out who ran basically into this tragedy right. ran into it on every lives, level right. afterwards before all that stuff to save to try to save lives and to work and help out i think our heroes you know um, columbia didn't cancel classes either like we just went oh, straight really? to, that's why i think i also didn't really fully grasp because i was like i like Bard my first week classes. of classes and it was like i gotta go to anthropology you know it was like and people were there taking their notes and doing their stuff and like Bard, i just had no so idea Maybe they just didn't know how to do it. Bard, that's, that's, Bard canceled. i think it, it, it took a while to digest i felt like for Bard canceled everything for me in the university in my community there Bard canceled everything and they I was actually taking a year off at the time and but I was living up there and I was working up there and um and I uh people were streaming into bars afterwards because my college was and is I think still you know people are from the big cities and there's a large chunk of people who are either from New York or the surrounding like suburbs right so everybody and so many was people affected. worked yeah. in yeah parents worked in or yeah. have been involved in yeah so everybody was kind of like you know so but wild it's wild so you know but with Giuliani there are different ideas about who he was as a mayor I feel strongly about what I think and I certainly know that the city certain things improved with the city as when he was mayor however I don't know how many are attributed to him directly I think a lot of people have done a lot of good work you know, throughout since the city basically went bankrupt in the like late sixties, seventies, um, to try to change it, and uh, you know there are certain things that have happened afterwards and whatever, but it, there is a divisiveness that I think also occurred with Giuliani that he, you know, anyway, and he did some amazing work as a as the district attorney in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and kind of laid down the law, but then something clicked and I don't know exactly. I mean, we could talk about this forever too, but the main p- purpose of me saying this is that, you know, I shouldn't say stuff like that and it should be more, you know, do I like him? Absolutely not, but, you know, I'm ready to have a dialogue with anybody. Right. I mean, that's fine, you know. Just people are justified in their reasons to vote for people. They have that right, at least for the time being here in America. <laughs> I mean, sure, but um, I think it's a stinky reason. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> a 
reasons. Speaking of stinky reasons, guess what I did last night? What did you do last night? I went to go see um, this woman perform, uh, Evangeline. She's a friend. My friend Todd Thomas, who I often talk, who I've talked about here on the pod. Um, he's an amazing designer. He's a great costume designer. Yeah, and just a designer in general. Um, right. He's got a few things cooking up for coming up. For himself, but um, anyways, he did she the costumes done. for his friend Vangeline, who's a dancer who is trained in Buto, which mm-hmm. is a Japanese dance that's was created in response to the bombings of Nagasami and Naga, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, mm-hmm. and um, and it was playing at the theater for the New City last night. And so we went. Um, he got comps, and it, I had no idea what to expect. I had absolutely no idea what I was walking into. Mm-hmm. I, I, do you know the theater for the New City that's over down on, I think it's First Avenue and like 11th? You walked by it a million times. Is it? But you said it's La Mama, right? I know no, 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 no. It's no, no, not La Mama. It's not La Mama. Oh, okay. Then no. Our theater of the New City and La Mama at the same time? I mean, time? I have no, I, I don't know. I thought you yeah. said last night when you were like, I'm going to La Mama. No, I think I sent you something from La Mama, but it was something, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, because I also was watching this Candy Darling uh, <laughs> documentary, and she performed a lot at Lama. Yeah. I was multitasking, multitasking, multitasking. I've seen that movie by Candy Darling. You one. should watch it. It's real no. good. Um, so many shoot ideas in that. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so I went to go to this uh, performance last night with Todd, and it was so wonderfully, was such a wonderfully enriching experience. It was like an hour and a half of embuto I guess are these like really little like micro movements like mm-hmm. tiny 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 it's like the setting's all black she's wearing this amazing almost like Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of satin gown-esque thing that's mm-hmm. like black and it's like ruched I'm mean, not black it's red and it's ruched and um satin and it has this like long uh train and it was so wonderful. It was like absolutely beautiful. And she's just like moving like ever so slightly, like like milli movements, like the tiniest, tiniest movements. And you kind of get lost in this trance of thought of like, at first it's like, oh, I got to go pick up groceries and Ingrid's coming tomorrow and I got to go do this. Mm-hmm. And I got to make sure that we have like, you know, La Croix to drink, all this stuff, like all this stuff that's running in your head. And then all of a sudden... Still not a sponsor. <laughs> still not a sponsor. That's okay. That's okay. And then all of a sudden it's like, then you start pondering like the reason for living and lives real like what is freedom what is liberty what is justice what is all these things as you're watching this thing and then you realize oh my god she's like she moved across the stage or she like lifted herself up from the back like like lying on her back and then lifted herself up in like little milliseconds like to standing on her feet like two feet I can't even describe it it's just wonderfully amazing and how long is it playing for I don't know anything about it actually I should have I should have googled before I started talking about it but if you kids are interested go you know Buto Institute of Dance I think is what it's called and Evangeline is her name and it's at the theater of the new city I don't know how long it's playing for but it's like it was packed and it she got a standing ovation and it like the music was it's it was set to like like Enya almost like waves crashing on like the Japanese shoreline and then into and then it went into like people talking in various languages over the top of it then going into like Maria Callas's um not Costa Diva uh not normal which one was it uh Bizet uh Carmen mm-hmm. her singing that and the, it just like was so just had such a range of wonderful visual audio like every sense it kind of was enriched yeah it's you know, it's like we talked at length there when I went to see Porgy and Bess and Tevin about what, you know, live live theater and or live opera, live singing, live music 
the impact that it has in a culture that is rich with ready accessible video sound you know we can right. we can consume so much of that you know with a a flick of our thumbs but how a connection can be really made through this right. life, through that completely immersive space so that's really exciting. I would love to I would love we to we should maybe go see it yeah, it's and we will find I'll find out I would love to. the other part of it too that I think is fascinating and that to your point is that it's this like so the dance the dance buteau was created in response to this tragedy so it's in a way culturally to address this like shared tragedy right so and then in experiencing it in, and you go in knowing that That's I didn't know didn't that know. at all but okay. like now if you guys go see no, it now you know right, right. but like I had no idea what to I knew it was Japanese and I knew a little bit about I like Google's what it looked like so I knew that it was the kind of like a Japanese horror movie like it literally looks like very operatic and like she didn't do this but like there's a lot of white face paint and some other performances and like red tears mm-hmm. and it's beautiful amazing 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 it looks it's like Rick Owens-esque kind of in in its uh art direction um but something that was kind of but to your point about like when you're watching something it's like that you know you can't get across screen or you can't get across in like these other mediums when you're watching it live it's also like the shared experience of an audience mm-hmm. like sitting there in kind of silence like yes it was like this music was loud and playing but like it was almost like meditative right. and then just everybody else like I could hear people crying as she was yeah. like you know and like just how people were were experiencing it physically and emotionally in this like real world space with you mm-hmm. which that was very powerful as well wow I really yeah. want to see it now. It was so awesome. That's incredible. That sounds really amazing. Yeah, like the lot, it's, it, you know, sometimes it's, I mean, this is a little bit different, but it just has to do with live experiences, I guess. It, you know, when you, it's the same thing from even watching, going to a movie with lots mm-hmm. of people in there, you know, sitting right. in a room with people, a large group of people who are mostly to you anonymous, let's right. say. There is a certain like group think that you enter into, right. even though you don't, you do kind right. of think it's almost like animalistic in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, primal. And primal, and you know when you hear other people laugh or you feel, I don't know. There's just something about that, and then you add on top of that a connection with real life people. And then you add, I mean, obviously all of these different things are idiosyncratic and obviously every medium, whatever, but there is something, there is something to that. And, you know, it's even when you see lots of people sing together or you're part of a chorus, you know, there's a lot of, you know, anthropologically, like what that means for us as people to watch, to be a part of it, to create community. It's like pagan almost. It's weird. Yeah. It's like the ritualistic kind of thing. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. There's uh, something... Mm -hmm. There's something also about that's very New York about it because it was at this like, if you've never been to the theater of the New, this is my first time. I've walked by it a million times mm-hmm. and I knew exactly where it was, but I've I never. I think I know exactly where it is. It's I like think right when next I to Coyote Ugly. Yeah, when I used to work at Pat's, I think I walked by it a lot. And like, it looks like a school kind of. It looks. I think it might have been. I don't really mm-hmm. know. It's a kind of um, cinder block e sort of plaster e mm-hmm. falling down. It's very rat nibbled this building, but it's it just like it was such a New York experience to me in that sense too, because there's so much underground theater that mm-hmm. happens in the city that I really want to start taking 
you know, uh, more time to experience. Because yeah. I thought, like, wow, this is, like... I know you talked about the Met and stuff, but, like, the Met, that was completely fabulous for one reason, but this was so inspiring for something else, and this it's was very done. intimate in the yeah. smaller venues. Yeah, I mean, the Met is not a small venue. No. It's gigantic. <laughs> and, you know, even the New York Times actually featured, what was it? I think it was four... It was, like, four operas in 48 hours that they put on. Oh, I saw that. And they had, like, a, a one of those stop time, like, videos that showed like how they were changing the sets right. constantly and so how they crazy. do that i mean it's it's a feat right you know it's it's, it's an it's, army it's an army and it's a feat to watch and it sucks you in just from the you know sets alone and the set design and everything it feels like you're looking into like the the stuff for the set for poor game best was very simple but it was it was genius but right. it was simple in the way that it was done but it was totally genius for the space that it needed to to have and for you to understand the spaces that the characters were moving in but I remember when I've seen like La Boheme and uh, I think the most I think the set for Aida about 10 years ago or so when I went with my mom I mean you just feel like you're looking into a kind of like 3D rendering of a real city that people are walking through and it's incredible anyway but then also the the experience of watching like let's say just one person perform right. in a black box theater that can also be ra- insanely I know that's what impressive. I that's what I meant is like the vastness of and the opportunity of theater in this city is kind of incredible and to be able to experience it so like yeah uh it just reminded let's me let's go of what, out to the theater <laughs> exactly. let's go out to the theater just reminded me why i chose to live in this city or what drew me here was like the the freedom for artistic expression i'm at here all for levels. the energy me too. i'm here because new york's energy is so like specific it's an energy that doesn't exist anywhere else seven easy pieces <laughs> i also because i know seven easy pieces um also like I such once, a Miranda. <laughs> I, once, <laughs> I once saw uh, on an old FT with like Jeannie Becker, fashion TV. Yeah, uh, fashion television. Da, there was, um, da, da, da. I think she had interviewed Don and Karen, and she's like, Well, what do you love about? You know, I remember this really struck me mm. at like 12 or 13 years old when she was like, What do you really love about New York City? And it stayed with me forever. I she's like, Jeannie New Becker. York City has just like, it was Don and Karen mm-hmm. responding. New York City has this fucking amazing energy. It's just the energy of the city. And that's what I try to infuse in my brand and my collections and blah, 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 which is why I bring up seven easy pieces. None of it is wrong. No, but it's just become the go-to answer. But it's answer. become this like way of it's lost its impact in the way that we discuss things. It's the way when they like ask like actors what they love about their job. It's like it's the craft. It's the craft of that. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I also think it's the way that people, the context in which people say these things too, because there is a time when it has integrity. Like, does right. New York no, have a course. specific energy? A hundred percent. Right. Totally down with that. Is New York a really special place? Fuck yeah. I was but born in the blanket statement here. of trying to but seem whole, like the seriousness like, yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and also, I'm just like, girls, boys. Calm down. Like, You're not all... in it for the craft. You're in it because of the gowns and the money. We're in it because we watched the craft. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But I'm, I'm getting like so speaking sicker and sicker of that kind of stuff. Oh, what are you going to say? Witch hunts. Speaking of the craft and of witch hunts, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the craft of luxury handbag making. <laughs> that seems to be... It was that a terrible transition? I love your segues. I feel like we should record yeah, at the end of the year. We should do like a little recap. The, way this, like, the shitty segue. Well, speaking about Donna Karen. 
Let's talk about Harvey Weinstein going to the... No, I'm just kidding. We did see Donna Karen the other day in a NASA jacket. And now NASA seems to be having a moment because it's all over Urban Outfitters. I texted yeah, you that hoodie, which makes that. me not want it anymore. I saw that. People don't know what we're talking about. But Okay, so when we went... When we were in the Hamptons and didn't do a show... Sag Harbor. We were in Sag Harbor that night. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. My bad. Um... We saw Donna Karen. We went to her daughter's restaurant. Yeah. Uh, restaurant. Yeah. And it was great. It was lovely. Great. Beautiful. It was absolutely lovely. Um, but she was there, like, rearranging Donna the Karen furniture. Was there. <laughs> and I was like, why is she pointing over here? And we were sitting next to each other at this huge table of Lexi's friends and family. And we were sitting together and looking. And they were like, and she was wearing sunglasses inside at night. And she's, like, pointing over at us. I was like, Donna, what are you doing? Rearranging and the really, furniture. And really, he was rearranging the furniture. We thought she had taken a keen Offense. interest in us. I was like, why is she pointing over here? She had on a but chic leather jacket, though, with chic. a Nassau pad. It was, it was like, like an bomber. aviator bomber. It was like a bomber jacket, aviator jacket, with a, but oversized with a Nassau patch on it. And so we were like, we got to get Nassau patches. <laughs> we got to do it. But now it's all over Urban Outfitters. Now it's all over. But it has been for a while. Has it? I haven't yeah. noticed. But it's cool. I mean. Maybe I'll still do it. The kids are all right. The kids are all right. <laughs> the kids are all right. Yeah, but that was was kind of funny. She had on a real, real tight ponytail. Remember, it was snatched that face back. I know. She looked real good. We love you, Donna. This is... I do, at least. I do love Donna Karen. I was disappointed at certain things she said. She gave us so much, though, really, honestly. I can just say I was very disappointed. The costumes and great expectations alone... Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the burnout velvet gown. It was so good. So, so good. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the woman is a fucking icon. She was kind of Rick Owens before Rick Owens. But that's why I was really kind of like... And Zoran after Zoran. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. Lady. (laughs) You know what I mean. Um... Well, I mean, I think the whole idea of you to, like, fashionable... Can I lean Fisher for, like, a different lady? Yeah, but it's but I think the, her ideas with Eileen Fisher as well have been very you know Eileen Fisher was based in a min like an actual minimalism that was influenced by right. Japanese fashion and her you know Japanese husband boyfriend at the time Muji yeah exactly so I you know that's very it was very specific aesthetic and very specific ideas behind it and I think that the specific ideas with Donna Karen were were the seven easy pieces right. like and. What women, you know, women were coming up at a time, you know, in in the work world and looked like they were trying to be men, sort of. Right. And that wasn't at all what needed to be done. So it was kind of a a simple revolution, a quiet revolution that was started by Donna Karen. So I totally am down with that. Well, even her work at Anne Klein before that, too. Yeah, but I think when she moved into the whole marketing idea of seven easy pieces on her own, I think gave maybe um, articulated it gave a voice to yeah. women yeah. at a time that felt Ooh, that, that wanted that, to get yeah. and, and accessible it's easily accessible whatever um, but I do think the stuff I mean I was I mean I, there's no other way to say it I was really disappointed when she backed wine we've talked about it 
Yeah, we talked about it. Um, anyway, so back to luxury handbags. Uh, Vuitton, mm-hmm. in my home state, has opened up a factory, I think, they uh, to make Vuitton handbags mm-hmm. to produce. LVMH opened a Vuitton factory to make Vuitton products, and they, um, I think their initial investment is $50 million, I think the article said, that I right, read in the New York Times, that, yeah, so, yeah, a business yeah. of fashion. And they're bringing a 1,000 jobs to... Uh, to the United States, which is amazing of them to do. I think even that specific factory. Just that, right, which is incredible. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> there, and this happened a while ago, and I wanted to talk to you about this. Are you going to enjoy that LaCroix? Ooh, that was Ooh, that way was really louder loud. than, maybe we have to cut that out because that was loud. Sorry, guys, I, mean, I popped your It hurt eardrums. my ears. It was supposed to be very quiet and like but instead, it sounded more like a backfiring car. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's painful. What flavor are you drinking today? I'm drinking Grand Raspberry. Grand Raspberry. Um, and this happened to like pour your. That's not like somebody peeing. <laughs> it does. Water sports. <laughs> so, um, anyway, are you done over there? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> This is a mess. <laughs> this one's a mess. Okay. So LVMH, so LVMH Texas. Texas factory, thousand jobs, fifty million dollar investment. Yes. Great. Yes. Fabulous. Happened about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um however, mm-hmm. Trump mm-hmm. and Ivanka came to the open to the opening and cut the ribbon. Ivanka just wanted a free bet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? She's got a nice bob. She's got a new bob. It looks. We, we'll talk about that. We'll talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, because it's I... been very divisive in the fashion community. So after this happened, then Nicola Gasquier right. um, tweeted, and I'll read you his tweet. Let me just find it. One second. He put it up on Instagram too. Or he, yeah, he put it up on Instagram rather. Hold on. Oh my god. So when I, once you read it, after you read it, I will, uh, or we can talk more about it, but I initially found that post and I, uh, did you find it? No, because hold on. So I initially found that post and I thought that it was very, it's very short. It's not like a long manifesto. No, it's not at all. And I was reading some of the comments and, you know, of course I applaud people speaking up for, yeah. So I'll say, sorry Mm -hmm. to interrupt you. So so standing against any political action, I am a fashion designer refusing this association. Hashtag Trump is a joke. Hashtag homophobia. So. And then everyone like came to his charge. Well, mostly. Most most people, people a lot of people were like, yay. And I totally get it. And I'm very much a fan of what he's trying to do but then some of the comments and i think that they are also valid were like okay but you're still selling in places where it's more of an autocratic rule rather than democratic rule where a lot of people don't live freely as gay men women and you know, and the LTBG. I mean, just not. They're like the All civil rights. The, the civil rights issues are hardcore in a lot of places where LVMH makes money. Right. And so, what do you have to say to that? Like, this is one issue. Right. And granted, you know, maybe that's it. It's maybe it's about starting and like pulling at the thread and talking about things. You know, and we've. Like it's like that post that's gone viral, which I actually really like. I think that's very different, though. I have to no, say. No, no, but listen to it. Okay. So this the, this post that's gone. Mm, 
headphones. <laughs> I just slid down my chair. Sorry. <laughs> right? I didn't too. <laughs> do we need a little, little moment to adjust? <laughs> just a second. <laughs> yeah. um, but there was a post that went around that a lot of people reposted. And I think most people listening, and I think you've seen it as well. It's, it's very long. And it's basically a, the gist of it is that we're all you know it's the gist of it is that we're not all perfect and in any way that we can contribute to being better a better world is worth it right and i think that that's true especially when the system itself is so like warped and you know i think it's worth the discussion of saying like hey you know that's great that you're standing up for this but what about this you're making money here you're doing this right but i don't think that it needs to be the stopper and being like, well, I'm just going to discredit this person of what they're saying. Right, right. But I do right, think right. it's an important part of the discussion right. where we talk about, okay, well, he might feel that way about this, and I totally get it. However, there is the issue of the fact that you are making money in like autocratic states, what's considered autocratic states, or what's considered, you know, like civil rights. But it's very valid. I'm not saying, but I, but that's the point of what I'm saying. It's a we have to have the discussion. However, I do think that every little thing that people do when they put their voice up. I mean, it's not risk-free. Right. You know, it's a publicly traded company right. who's working with... I mean, it's certainly not risk-free what he did at all, so... But it's not a direct association. Like, it's not like you have the... You you have the president of the United States that's such a divisive figure in the current cultural and political world right. um, coming to cut the ribbon at a factory that you're the creative director of that's making the products that you design. 100%. Which is very different, I think, than like than stores that exist in, in a place where there's no press or media, you know, there's no press or media advertising like, look at the store in Kazakhstan. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like... No. No, but it's but I think it's something to talk about that you are standing up over here yet you're you know part of your paycheck comes from sales that are made over here I think it's a valid thing to talk about but I also think that's you know right. basically what I'm saying but I'm and I think the comments add bring light to that however the reason why I brought up that viral Instagram post was I believe that these are important things to do anyway Right, okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like, I just don't want it to be without that other part. Right. But I still think that he should be applauded for standing up. And again, like I said, it's not risk-free. Do you think that Bernard Arnault, the chairman of LVMH, the owner, should have uh, should have not had him there? I think it's a tough... I think it's a really tough question because... Do you want to ask my opinion as like a professional PR person mm-hmm. or do you want to? Both. I want to know professionally what you think would have been the best way to handle it and then personally what you think. I think they should have tried not to have Trump there. Absolutely. On both stands, personal and professional. Yeah. I want you on the record. Because, yeah, yeah you can do that. I don't think he should have been there. I, I think it, I would have tried to figure out a way to not have had him there. I don't know how it happened, mm-hmm. actually. I don't know if you know either. Do you know how it I happened? No, I know. I, it was a, I know it was a surprise. Uh, maybe it wasn't a surprise to him, but it was a surprise to... They'd met before. They, I'm there sure the, they've met. No, they, I mean, the, uh, there was a whole there was a whole different article that um, when it since it happened a couple 
like a couple weeks ago. Um, I read a lot about it then, and I don't have the article to reference now. But there was an article that said that they've known each other um, since the '80s. They've like oh, run yeah. in like same social circles, and like um, Mr. Arnaud stopped in so much as calling him a friend. I don't think he would say that much, but he mm-hmm. knows of him from that time period. I'm sure and that they had pressed, OMH stores in some Trump. I mean, I don't know this for certain, but I would imagine Trump-owned or run properties yeah, right, probably. Right. And I and I do think that um, when he was pressed, he was Mr. Know about why he agreed to have President Trump there. He was like, it was an honor to have the president of the president of the United States because yeah. there is the office. Of you course. know, you respect the office, so thank I get you. That. And I then get that. I don't. I'm not here to talk about policy. And mm-hmm. that was that. That was sort of like how he left it, which I totally agree with. I they met though before, like uh, maybe six months ago or, or a year ago. Do you remember there was like photo ops of uh, Mr. Arno coming into the Trump Tower? I don't in New York actually City. remember. That. Yeah, I, the, I remember there was like some hoopla about it and mm-hmm. what it all meant. Um, and I guess this is what it meant that they were opening. But these, you know, the, these plants, these factories, these could have been. In action, yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason why I say, you know, it's not coming from a personal political viewpoint, actually, mm-hmm. not having Trump there. I think it's really the divisiveness of it and also from just plainly from the point of view of, you know, I mean, people people haven't wanted to work with Melania. You know, it's right. from the fashion world that that it would just be easier not to have something so divisive happened right. in a moment where you're trying to basically, you know, forge relationships rather than end them. Right, 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 right. Um, and I do think, too, in particular, that, you know, obviously Trump's uh, policies are not... The best. <laughs> you know, and the ideas aren't the best. For, uh, for any civil rights. Anybody, <laughs> or any marginalized except groups. unless you're, like, incredibly wealthy. Um, or wealthy. Did you see that thing on Diet Prada? My friend Barrett, um, who's out in Chicago, he sent it to me. It's funny. He was like, <laughs> where they post, uh, they juxtapose the Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada against, because then after the factory mm-hmm. opening, Trump went to go have that rally in Dallas, Texas. And he was like, today I opened a factory. It's going to have the best jobs, right. millions of jobs. Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Louis Vuitton. Oh. He just kept on mispronouncing it. Oh. <laughs> and then it's um I guess it's Meryl Streep and she's like shameful or whatever yeah, she says whatever. it's so funny that is all that is all let's see if I can Vuitton, Louis Vuitton Louis Vuitton Louis Vuitton disappointing and um <laughs> stupid <laughs> Louis Vuitton that's funny that's funny yeah yeah so good um yeah no I it's you know this it's tough because. Like I, I really applaud Gisquero for doing for for having for saying anything right. in this, you know, because it becomes this like huge thing, and you know, I I um, I always want to bring out the other like that the other stuff I brought up mm-hmm. for that reason that it's you know all these things live in a greater context, but it doesn't mean that what that we should not support what he said right like it's a small it's not a small thing but even in the world of like everything being interconnected he stood up and again not risk-free and, right. and put his like yeah, certainly he might he might have put his have reputation on the line i mean lost his job put his reputation i don't on think the line. he will or whatever no but i i 
synthetic was still pretty you it's know, brave we need to more, come we against need more the people chairman to of your, do say whatever right. and like you know stand up and be like i understand the context but yeah i'm saying this anyway right it's important speaking um, of designers from the mid-aughts <laughs> from the early aughts I, I also want to say that he looks great who uh nicola mm-hmm. yeah he always does i know i mean it's never nobody's ever been like oh god what's he going through but I just, you know, all like it's just you look at some people. And you're he's just aging like, well. He's like fit and yeah. stubble. Yeah. yeah, you're like Jesus. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope we all can do that. Anyway, yes. Um, speaking of designers from the early odds, mm-hmm. I hear Albert Albaz is uh, is that's the talk on the of, come up. That's the talk of the talk of the moment. The yeah, talk of the town. Mm-hmm. So um, Vanessa Friedman has reported in WWD maybe. Broke. Have we talked? To, have we thanked Vanessa Friedman? Now? Oh my God! Every day of my life, <laughs> um, <laughs> she reported. Um, and I think WWD maybe broke it that Richemont, Richemont, mm-hmm. who own Alaya and they own. No, I think they're mostly. Um, they're mostly watches and jewelries. Yeah. They're like not Cartier, but like, or do they own Cartier? Let's Google. I know they own Piaget. Piaget. I think you're right, Piaget. Let's see. Let me and see Van if Clef. I can find it. Van Cleef and Arpels. Oh, here we go. Uh, Richemont owns Cartier, Van Cleef and Arpels, Jaeger Le Couture, and Piaget. What? Um, and they also own Chloe, Alaya, and Dunhill. Dun, dun. And they're uh, ready-to-wear fashion categories, but they're mostly watches and jewelry. Um, but anyway, they have teamed up with Albert Albaz. And mm-hmm. for those of you kids who don't know Albert Albaz, you should oh, Google. That's a shame on you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Not that I know everything and I mispronounce things all the time. However, I, he's an important dude. Yeah, very important. He's been kind of silent for about four years now. So. Yeah, he was a creative director of Lamba. Um, and amazing glasses game. Amazing glasses. Just glasses amazing everything. Game, yeah. He like his celebration. He's. I kind of feel like he, what Almodovar is to film, Albert Albaz is to fashion. Ooh, I kind of love that idea. Like he like. I want to hear more about he, it. Well, because Almodovar. So I saw the Almodovar movie, by the way, the like Pain and Glory. If it's oh yeah, was it insane? like Lexi saw it last night. I saw it maybe two nights before mm-hmm. we're texting today. When I was in the shower, when you were waiting outside for thirty totally minutes. Totally fine. We'll <laughs> move forward. We'll move forward. Um, we were. Uh, yeah, it was. It's wonderful. It's really okay. personal. We both loved it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. Penelope Cruz is like fucking Penelope Cruz you know what I mean it's like that's like Sophia Loren modern day love totally into that idea love 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 um she's fucking amazing and the movie's just so beautiful and it deals with like his own kind of in a way it's like maybe a little bit um autobiographical although it's not really like that's not sort of what he says and it touches he hasn't admitted to that but it touches on a lot of topics that he always talks about which um you know it's a celebration of cinema and of queer culture well i don't know it's an exploration of queer culture i don't know if it's a uh, celebration of um and just uh you know and of his mother and of his life and sort of the 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 it seems like that's what it is he doesn't really come out and say that explicitly or he hasn't but um anyway what i mean by what i said about albero baz is to fashion what Almodovar is to film is that Almodovar really kind of loves women and really studies women and really respects women mm-hmm. and and in a lot of his movies even like if you did you see volver no well, in Volver, there's not really a lot of um, action. 
action or dialogue that comes from men, from any of the male actors. It all has to do with women, and it's all women kind of in, in leading the charge of the mm-hmm. film. Um, and it's an exploration and a celebration of women, and that's continuously what continually a theme and a thread in Omotovar's films. And I feel that that sort of respectfulness um, is very apparent in Albert Abaz's work as well, mm-hmm. especially the stuff that he did at Lamban. So that's what I meant by that. <clears throat> but anyways, <laughs> so now he's gonna, no, because I think I think that's interesting. I can't. I, I'm thinking about it, and also I haven't seen that movie or have a huge knowledge of his like. You should Ezla. just. You should so just it's hard for me to right. like. It's hard for me to say, but I do think that of course Alvaro. I mean, he's that's what he has was known was for, been celebrated for, for and right. has been celebrated for, and it was you know completely. And I mean, kids, he was at Bean. Yeah. He like took over Bean after Mr. Bean left. And then yeah. he was at YSL yeah. back in the day before Tom Ford was there. Yeah. And then finally landed at uh, Lamban, re, you know, remade that house into this huge... And that was a, and it was, he had a struggle there. Like, he, he started kind of slow mm-hmm. in like 2006, probably, 2005, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little bit before. I thought it was before, yeah, but yeah, I could be wrong I about think that. I think it's around that time. And he started at Lombard. It was kind of quiet. It was slow building. And then it became a huge powerhouse at the same time that it was like him at Lombard and then Nicola Gasquier at Balenciaga, which mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. time also. Oh my God, that was incredible. And then Olivier Taiskins at Rochon. The three of them were really kind of the be- Like that to me was like the height of fashion of that time period mm-hmm. um it's sort of like what Pro- tom ford at gucci and prada were like right before like in the 90 in the mid 90s to early 2000s mm-hmm. um and then he and then lamban kind of floundered for a bit and then he brought it back again and mm-hmm. he, he was still there but i think they they kind of like his collections weren't as critical success and fashion kind of had moved on and then all of a sudden he came back um into into the fold into fashion and then was abruptly forced out mm-hmm. um so i'm just glad to see that he'll be back yeah and i think it's something very particular about what he's bringing back as well he right. wants it to be small he doesn't very want to small. go into these transitional seasons at all he wants it to be small like pre-fall he, resort exactly, spring exactly. summer fall whatever he wants it winter. to be small and controlled and i think what was the quote that he you know, Richemont is, is basically giving him time to think, right? Which is a big part of what designer he feels designers really need, and I have to agree with that. And also to make not a huge collection. It's not about this, like, oh, I have to, cl- I have to create for these million. It's I'm making this small, and it's also making it his instead right. of, you know, there's been talk with different openings opening up in like these big kind of prestige heritage houses that he was going to fill in for people like that but that now he's creating this new thing and it's about his name because it's AZ AZ fashion yeah and it's supposed to it's the first name the first letter and the last letter like A to Z and out there Elbaz right so it's so it's kind of like it's that but at the same time you know it's it's not it transcends his own whatever right. so I, I also, I'm into it I'm I into also it. love like the when he one of the quotes that he said was luxury he wants it to be about luxury and he said but luxury isn't necessarily about price mm-hmm. anymore and he's absolutely right it's like I think just even 
you know, luxury is time for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So even for him to be allowed the time to produce the things in a small way that you'll want and you'll need and you'll wear instead of like this like overproduction of like we have, you know, a boot cut jean and a straight leg jean and a flare jean and a skinny Mm -hmm. jean and a this we have everything for everybody. You sound like you're Writing a musical. <laughs> we have a trench be. and a feather and a stone and a hat <laughs> and an umbrella and a boot and, and a, a boutonniere. And a fanny pack. <laughs> I like your we musical. Have, yeah. And it's just like you walking across the stage at La Mama. At La Mama. <laughs> Not without my umbrella. <laughs> That was good. That was really that just come to you. Yes, you just having like a vision. I just had a vision. Stroke of genius. It was a stroke of genius. Oh yeah, it was great. Crazy. It was great. No, but I'm excited to see what his. um, I'm excited to have him back. I'm excited for him to be back on the scene, but I also am excited to see what he creates and excited to see how it does because it could very well be. Uh, you know, it's not a new structure, the capsule collection structure, mm. but it is one that is not often seen by somebody of his caliber. Right. So it'll be, what is this? What will this do? And what will he, you know, how will this react in the market? How will it react marketing wise, influence wise in terms of the structure for other designers? Uh, so it, it, you know, it's to be seen, but it's an, it's an exciting time for it because it's so new and, you know, it's, it's not risky per se, but it's just very different from the different the structures right. that are existing for somebody of his note today. And it's very much like I'm going to focus more on the voice, which is, and back to the clothes, which is what you and I have been talking right. about. It's like, how do you avoid the cacophony of crazy fucking shit in, <laughs> right. in the fashion industry with like designers and this and that and influencers and magazines and new media blah blah blah, blah and people are just like oh I just want a pair of pants right. and you know that the plus size of the, the plus size the plus side of this confusion is that people have to go back to their own critical thinking skills and be like what the fuck do I want right like, well then the authenticity of that too of sticking to your guns and of, finding your voice and just but that's a more through. on the designer and, side right. but from the consumer side like because you know if you look at if you look at uh, fashion from a more economic like as if you're somebody study economics and thinking about um, new jobs as being consumer based that the consumers drive drive job uh, drop creation it's the consumers drive something that moves on right. so it's got to be op- it's got to be good for the consumer it's got to be there has to be a market for it but then also having something be like this is my voice do you like it or not I'm not going to make a lot of it right. we're going to see what happens but you know I'm well, inviting think, you into this space. I think that um that that's Excuse me. I think that that fits into the consumer sphere as well because I think consumer, like in, when he says luxury is not about price, to me that also uh, means like I think luxury and and luxury meaning desire and what is desirable to a consumer right. to me and a lot of t- now feels like it has to be authentic. There has to be authenticity that comes across. It has to be something that you can latch onto that says like, yeah. oh, I believe. It's I not believe just like the last dream. white. It's not just uh, oh, okay. Luxury is the most expensive thing. So right. um, look at I'm, this. The bag. last white crocodile in you know blanking, Siberia. Siberia. Yeah. The furry crocodiles of Siberia. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which, you know, is one right. one. but, uh, yeah, so I, I think that that's a really great way to 
quote and the unquote, fact redefine that it's it like, or talk about right. it. Right. And the fact that it's like being um, upheld, not upheld, but it's funded or it's like being that Richemont, this mm-hmm. major conglomerate is standing behind, behind him on this as well, says a lot about where we might be in the fashion sphere and it'll be a It'll be it'll be interesting to see how LVMH and carrying in these other uh, fashion conglomerates react. And they to have this. a little bit of the space to do it, right? In a lot of ways. Um, I guess they're doing it a little bit with Rihanna and LVMH, but that kind of seems like it's. I don't. I don't, I don't really I don't know really what to make about it. That much about it. I think she it. had another drop of stuff. I just. I, don't I haven't seen it, but we yeah. we'll do some research and and talk we'll about it. Two kids. But yeah, I mean, maybe it'll be interesting to see where that ends up where you know how they keep driving the because it had had so much energy behind it <laughs> energy's my favorite word this week kids that's why Apparently. i'm saying it like this it's energy um but it had a lot of that it had a lot of buzz a, a lot, lot of energy buzz. it had a lot of you know curation i don't fucking know now i'm just so saying words. speaking of authenticity God, authentic brands group God, segue sunday i know that was last time authentic brands group um appears to be the new owner of um barney's but it's going to be finalized this week it's right? supposed it's to be finalized, finalized i think they have until the 31st but... and there's a there is a dude and i it's very journalistic here at East signature like, <laughs> yes, there's we... a dude <laughs> but there's a dude who um owns he i think he's actually mostly has made his money owning trade group trading like when um people go into trade shows and things like that like i think that's that's where authentic brands group no 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 this other guy so there's the, somebody the else Kith who's guy? there's the... An, the Kith guy. Right. So he's kind of in there slugging it out, trying to He's trying to raise more capital to raise more capital it, right. with investors. Because, because he wants to keep it yeah. alive. Sure, you can say Sorry, it. Sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> you could totally say it. I didn't know that's where you were going. That is my point. Yes. <laughs> Why else would I be talking about? That? I don't know what you're it's saying. It's like I kind of, I'm saying I'm putting words in your mouth, but I have no idea what you're trying to say. <laughs> um yeah, no. Uh so he's trying to because what he's doing would actually preserve the stores and preserve the jobs. Right. And what this other group is doing is that they really want the name. Right. And they would to be, license the name out. Right. And so they that, would be using it perhaps with other uh, department stores as well. But they would close the brick and mortar that is, quote unquote, right. theirs. Except for one store in Boston. I oh, think. really? They would they, keep, I oh, think I didn't because they got like, there's like, they talked, they got a good deal on the lease or whatever. So they would keep one store and then. But then do is, you have to keep. A whole group of people running that store, or how? I mean, they would just break it down. I think they. It yeah. sounds like ruin. It just sounds like a lot of bad. Sounds messy. It does sound really it messy. Sounds messy. And, I and just, no offense to people who live in Boston, but Boston. I know. <laughs> I know. But no offense to people in Boston. I know it's so weird. Barney's New York and Boston, and so I mean, like, and then to license the name out so that it exists. And they said that they they own Hudson's Bay, right? Isn't it? Or the well, the, I think it was to just, different people, different uh, brands within the Hudson Bay group, which right. sacks so that mm-hmm. it would like live in is it hudson bay or hudson now i'm like blinking because i'm just i'm staring straight into the microphone yeah yeah, yeah. whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. we're very journalistic we're very (laughs) good like hudson bay these are things that we say all the time and then you get us in front of a microphone and we're just giggles mcgee (laughs) giggles mcgee giggles mcgee and our fucking musical (laughs) (laughs) it's just weird i wonder if it'll be like is it is it supposed to be like the space you know how space 
is like the concept store within Nordstrom? Mm-hmm. Is that what Barney's is going to be within like these other? Fuck if I know, man. I have no idea. I've been to the newly renovated Saks recently, which I, I haven't. Been a few I haven't times. been working um, with styling so much lately. It's been more celebrity production. <laughs> um, so I haven't been shopping lately, actually. Right. So this was the first time that I went in there. I had an aunt in town, and we checked it out. And um, she used to be a, she used to be a buyer at Bonwit Tell. Didn't you go to like the the new the stockings with care brunch at Saks? Yeah, time? but that was after it. That uh, was after I did that. Uh, okay. So we went to we went there because I mean she lives in Connecticut now, um, but she, back back in the day she was. Um, she was a buyer, so she has like interest in department stores. Anyway, we well, gotta go check out the new Nordstrom. And just right, but let me tell the story first. Why didn't let tell the story? Um, <laughs> What's your story? And, nope, that we checked it out, and it's it's nice the new Saks floors, but it's very like. Well, now we've lost the thread, but it's and it's but it's not really like I don't know. I didn't really get a different feel from it at all i was just like what is this right a little bit i went to i mean it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful well how's that it's dead too i was just kind of like it's like nice but no one's in there and like 45 10 no one was in there it's like three people came up to talk to me and they're like do you want like what can we help you with and i was like do you have drees no do you have sakai no do you have this no do you have that no and i'm like well what the fuck do you have they're like we got prps and blah 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 i'm like i don't want any of this shit right exactly or people do want that but is this where we're going to buy it? And is, is this how we're going to do it? And, you know, we're, when we were talking about Barney's, we were originally talking about the big opening this week of Nordstrom. I know. That was a big to-do. It's a huge to-do. But, so, I mean, this is such a... It's kind of a big story about retail in New York, so I'm not exactly sure where to start. But basically, this week, they've opened a 320,000-square-foot store on 57th and Broadway. And it's in the, in the bottom, basically, of... Central Park Tower West or whatever it's called. That's the largest residential building in the world. Right. right? So, you know, which the penthouse sold for like a hundred million dollars. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I don't. Yeah, but I'm I'm not surprised. So, you know, and this is a huge investment on Nordstrom's part. They've never been in in New York proper before. They've had Nordstrom Racks. They've started Nordstrom Local here, and they are Nordstrom Local. I think the best way to describe it quickly, I think, is more like a postbox etc for Nordstrom like a hub <laughs> like so that you but it's not retail it's just basically to be able to like get stuff that you've ordered and send stuff back that you're right. returning it's like do you remember quickly. back in the day when like um who what was it that was catalog like Sears do you remember when Sears had those like li- I remember this from when I was like really little in the 80s and like early 90s where they had like you would go in and you would show them what you wanted to order mm-hmm. and then they would get it and it was like almost like a, it was like a post office almost you'd go in and you'd be like I want this and blah 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 they would order it and then it would get there and then you could go and you could like see it try it on was it because stuff. you weren't close to a Sears is that it with Sears catalog I think it was just like a limited it, it's like they didn't want to invest in a full retail experience so that they just had like a place where you could go pick up your order check it out return it like mm-hmm. if there was an issue like and I think it also had to do with the fact that like a lot of it was like um like appliance you mm-hmm. know Sears was like more appliances so that there was some like sort of technical help around it. it as well also like furniture and stuff mm-hmm. like that so i feel like because i see I've, I've walked by the nordstrom hub it's like near um, nordstrom local or nordstrom local whatever it's called it's in where saint vincent's used to be in mm-hmm. that it's like in that span what are, is 
<laughs> it's in that it's in that uh in that development mm-hmm. um on what is that seventh avenue they have a couple apparently do they they have a couple i walk but, by it all the time but now so this new place it's you know very it's big it's a lot of space and you know why are they opening it now and they've especially seen... like uh, when you think about like barney's is struggling to stay alive that's why exactly what yeah department that's, store? that's why we're talking about yeah. it um but, and I mean, it's also gigantic and it's been around for a very long time. Why are they choosing now to be here? And I think that it's been in the works for probably around a decade in some capacity. Apparently, they're saying that they actually got, they passed up on being in Hudson Yards. And one of the reasons they did that was they didn't think that the space was really going to be developed. The neighborhood was really going to be developed enough at the time to really... Um, to work optimally for them, right. which is now turning out kind of to be true. Right. And not just because people aren't necessarily interested in, in shopping at Neiman's. We can talk about that too, but also because the space around it is, you know, it's been so, so hyped. And obviously people went down there. There's so many things to go down there and see, but a lot of people just are, it's not special. Right. It's a so, shopping mall. And then also, too, it's politically wrought with what related well, also, properties and all the, you know, no one wants to touch it. But I think a lot of people, there are some people who but, don't care about that. I know that. I know there must be. I think be, there are a like, lot of people who don't and probably don't even pay attention and know about that, too. Because right. we're looking at kind of specific media outlets and work in specific areas where a lot of people are talking about right. it. But, you I don't know, know. What, I hope people are But what makes Nordstrom there. really interesting is that. You know, they obviously know all these things. They've been in business for a very long time. And, you know, we could go farther into the history of it, but it's, you know, it's less about that. Right. More, there's a great article in the Times that came out this weekend. I would encourage people to read it because it's very interesting. It's not very controversial. It doesn't bring in a lot of, like, not, uh, it doesn't bring in a lot of other views, but it's still really interesting to learn about, especially as somebody who grew up in New York and didn't have a Nordstrom right. growing up. Um, you know, I'm like Nordstrom rack is really the, the biggest thing that I've seen of Nordstrom's in right. my kind of like sphere. I always thought it was down market too. I didn't think it was so high no, end, but like it, now but, it's like, yeah. And I don't think that it, you know, again, I don't have really a directional. I don't have a history with it, so I don't know, but I do know that it definitely, especially one of the Nordstrom brothers, he was, um, a buyer merchandise and he brought in a lot of in like, especially in the nineties, a lot of, uh, brands that were trendy, but not like, but that were like, like Birkenstock and Doc Martin, like they integrated and became kind of modern right. for a younger, for a younger, uh, shopper. But so 320,000 square feet, gigantic. I think it's about a half a dozen restaurants right. for, and of like most budgets. So, right. you know, it's supposed to be club. basically they started as a shoe store. So they have very particular ideas of how they want their shoe section to look. You can also apparently order a drink when you're shopping, right. <laughs> not just in the shoe section, I think, but like all throughout and people will find you and they have high speed internet. And so the idea is that you can, because actually I think one of the things that gave them a lot of confidence to open in New York was that most of their online shopping is done by New Yorkers. Which is amazing. When you told me that fact, yeah. I was like, oh, no, what, duh. And they noticed that, you know, and these are obviously, there There are more statistics within this statistic, but they do know that when they open a brick and mortar store in a market, their actual sales online go up. So people mm-hmm. are going into stores, they're checking stuff out, they're trying it on, they're going in for an experience. 
but then might not buy it in that moment. And so then they'll hold the you. Thing, right. They try to hold you with the high-speed internet, creating lists, being able to easily, accessibly, like get it, order it, order from home, think about it, whatever. Have it your is. Nordstrom local in your neighborhood, Nordstrom so you don't have local. to travel. And a twenty-four-seven Nordstrom local in the department store. So that's going to be open. 24 hours, seven days a week. So, so when they're closed after hours and you need to return something or yeah, like... Say you're working right. in fashion, you need something, whatever. You need to have, or need to pick up, up something right. and you, it's not easy to do that in your building. Go there. Like, easy fucking peasy. Right. They have a cobbler. <laughs> they have a shoemaker. They have like, they have all these services. They have basically, I mean, I can go into the list of, of different Any brands that they work ailment. with. wardrobe ailment. But they have tailors. They've got you covered. But not just that. They've also have they have dry bar. They have places you can get facials. Like all these things, and that's not new. But the way they're integrating it and the brands they're integrating with mm. is kind of new. Well, and the high speed internet, honestly, that sounds really like lame and whatever. Sure, but if you are somebody like me and Mo who <laughs> work sometimes in department stores and do a lot have of to times, use, yeah, no, but but have to use their sometimes have to use their Wi-Fi and it's slow as shit right. and you have to get stuff done you don't even think about it. you're just like oh fuck it whatever imagine locking in having like an easy service presented to you i don't know i feel like they're kind of on they're on to the customer service so that's basically what they've been talking about in every single article right. that i've read and granted you know, a lot of these articles are very, I don't want to say puff pieces, but are puffy pieces. And they're not necessarily talking about the negative stuff about it, like the risks. Some of them are. But even then, the New York Post had one that was very simplistic. It was it was a good article. It was a very simplistic. And it was more about like how the woman who was, it was from first person and how the woman writing the article was talking about how she just really hopes that it does really well, but she's not really sure because of retail, but then right. it doesn't go into like kind of the business part of it. And they're having, I was reading Cranes, New York, one of the major issues that came out in that article was that somebody said that they didn't think it was in a good neighborhood for it. Right. But I think it what, is. Because of the way that it's on the West Side and how, you know, traditionally speaking, people it's far away from traditionally where people go shopping affluent people right but but that whole conversation i think is anachronistic i think it's also incorrect about how it's incorrect i mean anachronistic is incorrect that's redundant but it's anachronistic and it's also just you know there are developing areas it's near the time warner center right it's also going to be very close to where tourists are with central park exactly it's the biggest residential tower that's going to be something that draws people in, quite right. honestly, in some capacity. It's near Central Park. So I, yes, and I think that that work. whole space is, I think that whole space is developing in a way that we haven't seen in a, like, it, it's it's more set than Hudson Yards. Let's right. put it that way. It's also kind of, even though Hudson Yards isn't hard, hard to get to, it's, it's a little out of the way in a lot of people's minds. But this is kind of a thoroughfare. Right, it is. 57th and, and Broadway. So I, I have to say that I disagree with that. But I want to go. I haven't been there myself. And I do want to go see. I know we should go. We Let's should go. go this week. I want to order a drink while shopping. <laughs> you always want to order a drink. That is 100% true. However, <laughs> like right now. Um, but that's not the point. I want to see what it feels like because it seems the especially the way they talk about it but also the way a lot of the journalists talk about it is that it's really supposed to be 
a moment where you don't have to even it almost like is intuitive about how you're right how you're integrating retail and because i think for a very long time it was almost like retail versus online right whereas this feels like they're trying to commingle in a different way yeah and you know there was one article that talks about this venn Venn diagram and they're trying to meet somewhere in the middle and you know maybe this will be i i'm let's just put it this way i'm way more excited about seeing Nordstrom's than I am about going to the new Neiman Marcus. Right. Well, it's funny you say that. Um, and we were talking a little bit about this when we were uh, eating pancakes earlier. Um, I had French toast. Well, pancakes. you know, whatever. We had carbs. <laughs> we were carb yeah, we were in earlier carb duty, today. Yeah. Um, th- when I was at, at Neiman Marcus earlier, I think I went on Thursday, and I was there like from like let's say 4 p.m. until 6 or 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. and it was people were leaving work and there was like bustling and hustling like outside but no one was in the shops no one was at 4510 no one was right. anywhere the people were in the bars sure having a drink meeting their friends but see no i'm one... not the only one who <laughs> no no i'm not judging no one was um no one was shopping mm-hmm. and no one came up and talked to me no one said hey do you, what do you need what are you looking for what well except for 4510 they did but like in Neiman Marcus nobody you know right. it was like and it felt very 4510 felt kind of not this way. It felt more like you were part of the club and you were cool and like, what are you looking for? And, it, it, you know, and the, there were young people and it was fun, whatever. And they just didn't have what I wanted. And Neiman Marcus, it felt very like an old-fashioned idea about luxury departments. You felt shopping. that way when I you were there. I felt that way immediately. It was like, A, the quality of the product was very sort of not... It sort of was blanket, like blanket luxury. Sure, it had Balenciaga shirt, sure had like all these like brand Gucci, all these brands that everyone wants, but it just had a, what you could find anywhere. So mm-hmm. it's not like I really felt special. Nobody came up and talked to you and it felt almost like, like they deign to work with you. It's almost like you're lucky to be in this realm. Right. You know what I mean? As right. opposed to what Nordstrom is doing, which feels very, very sort of customer like, service customer oriented. Ser- yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, sure. At least that's what they're saying. Right. We'll see. We'll what see it when we is. go. But like, but, yeah. Yeah. And it's to try to make it so that it's easy to order, it's easy to go, it's something that you can do on a Saturday afternoon. Right, but it's also somewhere you can get a lot of errands done. I mean, I don't know what the price points are on, are on the services, but it's like, you know, would I love a, especially for, you know, a place that is becoming more and more residential, isn't it great to have like one place where you can have a lunch with your friends, get some, get your shoes, get your, shoes, done, fixed, get your yeah. shoes fixed, get all the stuff done, like make your returns, do all that stuff. I mean, it sounds so simplistic because it's like that exists now, right. but there's something about the way they're approaching the customer service aspect of it, that you know, and it's hard to find in that sphere because you go to like Barney's Jeffrey Sachs, no one talks to you, no one helps you. It's hard to find Jeffrey, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's like everyone kind of looks down their nose at you and it's like... Right. It's intimidating. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, even at Saks, I do... And I'm you know, not easily intimidated. I didn't mean to shit, shit on Saks earlier because I don't... I think Saks is great, but I... I and I, it has a, also a traditional spot in my heart, I guess I should say. But I also think that they, you know, in some places, it is a little bit like that. You don't feel welcome to ask questions. It's also, especially when nobody's around, it's like very weird and you're just kind of like, okay. And, you know. Which is not fun. That sounds fun. That sounds like it sounds I want to like go there, be, have a drink. Yeah, have a drink. but you know what I mean, like yeah. And look I don't at the want shoes, people to get like a slice I, of pizza. I want to talk to somebody maybe about something, 
but I don't want to feel like I'm being pushed around. And then if I don't like immediately want to buy it, then like as I, I'm being judged for not right. some people just lay off me. I think that there need there's a structure there that needs to be a it's little modern, bit more feels like very contemporary. modern. I also love the fact that like you can or like I don't have a doorman. So like ordering mm-hmm. stuff for work, getting stuff like that I need. I know that I can order it there, also, get it, pick it up. if you're ordering something expensive, you don't want it to sit on your door, you know, doorstep. Right. Like I've seen people like when they order stuff from Amazon, it's just strewn on your stoop. outside. Yeah. And you're like, what is, I don't want this to be. A $2,500 dress. God forbid. Like, yeah. God forbid. God forbid. Yeah. No. I, and it just, even just, even just addressing the issues that they're talking about, again, haven't experienced it for right. myself, but even just in the way they talk about it, and granted, they have enough money to hire the most amazing <laughs> people, I mean, which is obvious, because they're in, you know, this opening has been gigantic, and it's been covered by everybody in different ways, and I think one of the things that uh, was great about Nordstrom's, too, is that they had a big opening, but it was, and a lot of great people were there, but it wasn't so overbearing, and it wasn't one every night, even though I did like a lot of the images that I was seeing I know, from Neiman's. I totally, was, I totally yeah. missed all this with Nordstrom. Yeah. I had no idea. So we'll see, you know, and they kind of put the focus on answering the question that I think is was on a lot of people's minds before was, why is Nordstrom right. opening? And they kind of, without uh, without saying it necessarily super, super literally, they try to address it as in, in this positive way of like, this is all the things that we have. We've taken into account that online right. is big. We want you to understand that a lot of people already buy off of us right. online here in this city and that we want to become a brand that you get to know right. here. And we do come from, we're not... You know, we are more service-minded and right. we are more trying to get into sort of, and understand it, the new way that retail... And of course, again, this could be PR bullshit, but hey, we're trying to talk to you at least about how we understand brick-and-mortar retail. Not a, like you're lucky to have us, kind of. Yeah, you're lucky to have us or this is new luxury or, you know, the Neiman Marcus stuff too. It's I, I like the idea because I didn't know anything about the store the stores and within the store before you talked to me about it. And I think that that's great to have a point of view, but then it has to mean something. Right, exactly. And I think that that's kind of what Nordstrom is saying is that you mean something as the consumer. So come on in and we invite you to... Cater to you. Yeah, in some way. So that's cool. Speaking of catering to you, do you want to go get some food? (laughs) (laughs) Catering to you. Catering to you. I got... Well, now I have to pay. I know, we're out of time. We're out... Are we out of time? I know, I I didn't even get to we'll do it next time what well i wanted to do maybe we'll just do it really quick so on models.com they're mm. doing this whole thing with industry yes. now where they're asking the industry leaders kind of you know not exactly these three questions but they're touching on these three issues and mm-hmm. so i kind of want to you know really quickly um mm. ask you mm. uh is fashion better today than when that whenever is fashion better today I don't think than yesterday, than twenty years ago, than a million years ago. Such a hard question to answer, honestly, because you don't know exactly what you're responding to. But I think that there is potential now. How about this? I think that it's there's potential now for people to have access to the looks that they want for a price that they want. Um, If they, 
basically you're asking that you yourself can ask the question more like what do i want because right. you're completely being flooded so you have to it's forcing you to right. unless you're a complete fucking idiot but <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't judgmental at all but it's basically forcing you to be like what's the point right and so because it's asking that question i think it's probably best to today how's that i'm, that optim- I'm optimistic optimistic I, I agree with you on that i also think a fashion itself i think is better because technology is better mm-hmm. so that the clothes themselves are i think great mm-hmm. um and i think there's room for many different voices on many different levels and i think there's also an audience that wants to to hear from a lot of different people so yes. so there's like and i think diversity and inclusivity are being championed in such a great way and labor laws and thinking really thinking about where clothes are coming right. from yeah. so i think um yeah i think it is better today um but will it be better tomorrow? But that's a very <laughs> that's, good question. Yeah. So, um, second question. Is making beautiful things enough? It depends on what beautiful means. It's, yes, it is. But I think it's more, I think it's less about beautiful and more about having a point of view of what you want to say in the market. Right. I think that's more important than the idea of beautiful. Of course, they should be beautiful, but maybe beautiful to who? You right. know. So I think that it's important to find that that voice. I think it. Can, I agree with you. I think it can be, um, but I don't think that's like an objective that I strive for in mm-hmm. my work. Um, I think it's a surprise that is great. I think it can be a good enough answer, and right. I think it can like it can justify it. It can be its own justification, but I feel like. The way that I approach my work um, and the things that I make, I want them to kind of ask more questions than they answer, mm-hmm. um, and I and approach things sort of journalistically and mm-hmm. and sort of um, finding merit in a narrative that maybe gets overlooked in a lot of times. Um, uh, so that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, and finally, mm-hmm. before we're off, what's your favorite part? Of the process, of any process, of your in, work, of in my your work. in your work, yeah. Or I guess in, in this podcast and in your in your in your. I think the discussion. I'd my, the, my entanglements fa- to fashion. My favorite a part of any relationship is that, to fashion. My favorite part of anything is the discussion because I think the discussion is what's important. Like I wanted to go back uh, and it goes back, it goes back to, is that why? It's probably why. You're an Aquarius. I'm like Aquarius, Aquarius. No, I know I'm an Aquarius. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I, it actually goes back to what a comment I wanted to make about the first question about whether fashion is better today. Um, you know, again, it's a tough question to answer very quickly because I do think it's good today. I do think it's better today in many ways, but I do think the advent of, you know, the crazy waste and the shitty labor and, you know, the fact that we want to buy like t-shirts for a dollar is shitty and has made a huge like skid mark Mm. on that answer. Mm. However, you know, the other questions that come up because of who we are, I think it could lead to great things because I think that unfortunately, you know, Anyway, we could go on about that forever, but um, I think it just it, the dialogue when you are able to be 
not to sound icky, but mindful about certain issues and to be able to talk to people, you can learn. Right. You can learn a lot about yourself, other people, how to solve problems right. and work together. And that only comes from dialogue right. and hear other people's sides of stories only comes from dialogue. And also things are fair. and things are moving so quickly. Like what are influencers doing? What are these people doing? What who's that it, these answers and perspectives and ways of approaching problems can only be solved through a constant dialogue. Right. So there you go. I actually, it's a really good answer. I am kind of a misanthrope. So I kind of, my favorite, I like all of it. Like I do like the dialogue and I do like, um, you know, collaborating and I do, especially as a stylist and I do like, you know, getting the clothes and seeing them and blah, 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 all those things. Cause it is about, you know, fashion is mm-hmm. about the clothes. Um, but I think for me, it's about, I sort of my favorite part of it it's almost like um uh it's almost like acting to me in the way that like there's the research part of it and the angle and the character creation mm-hmm. and the story and understanding and ide- and digesting that in a way and internalizing that in a way that is um idiosyncratic and that is sort of just for me and my mm-hmm. own thing and protecting that and then and then bringing that to set or bringing that to this or whatever project it is and trying to you know make yourself heard and 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 um and fighting for it and and it can be really, really difficult. And, and kind of my favorite thing is when that uh, authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, that's so important to me and that, that comes across and that and the, the, the veracity of it, the, the honesty of it. Um, and, you know, the truthfulness of it and sort of that protection of, of that message comes across. So, um, yeah, when, I, when I'm able to kind of, I don't know, I'm sounding like such a control freak, but when I'm able to to hold on to that and 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 bring it to light and shine light on on whatever it is that I want to express. Um I think that's a good answer too. So that's kind of my my misanthropic view of it. No, but I mean it's you said what's the favorite part. It doesn't mean that you're not participating in other parts. Right. No, you're right. But yeah, I like that. It's like it's it becomes, you know, kind of a that's study. where you feel the yeah. best. That's awesome. Validated. I don't know. Well, um, now I or explore. To... I can explore things in in a way. Um, Not anyway. to downgrade that, but I I need to validate. You need my to, need to, 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 to urinate. <laughs> I need to validate and, my and, need and to we're again far over time, but yeah. Hope you guys enjoy. If you made it this far on the pod, hope you guys enjoyed yeah. it. Love you.